It's the sheriff. Podcast, baby. Yeah. It's the sheriff. HL man of the year. 500 pro fights in his career. Got the record for most ice fights in the season. Chill. the sheriff. Lucky you still breathe. It's the sheriff. HL man of the year. 500 pro fights in his career. Boom. Got the record for most ice fights in the season. Chill. Despite the sheriff. Lucky you we still filmed the pod today. You listen in tomorrow. The heavyweight champ, yeah, Sean McMall. Sheriff. 13 year pro, yeah, he holding it down. Big man playing it right. Thumbs up to the crowd. Welcome, everybody, to an exclusive episode of The Sheriff. Boy, oh boy, do I ever have a treat for you. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it is always our dream as kids to hear the crowd chanting our name. For me, it'd be Mick Morrow, Mick Morrow. But ladies and gentlemen, my guest tonight was able to reach that dream as he became an absolute legend in Europe and earned the nickname Mr. Ice Hockey. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls all over the world, I would like to introduce to you my guest tonight. He hails from Winnipeg, Manitoba. At five foot 11, 195 pounds, he is a middleweight. He spent 16 seasons in Germany as a player, coach, and general manager. Whoa. Known as Mr. Ice Hockey for his records and his incredible swag. He is the global director of Stop Concussion, current head coach for the Melbourne Ice in Australia. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Gooch Live, Mr. Kerry Goulet. How are you doing, my man? How much, how much is that going to cost me? Hey, man, I would do that every single day of the week, man, if I could. I'm a huge fan of you, Kerry. I'm so happy that you are on my show, brother. And I was looking forward to your return from Australia, to, to, to be honest with you, man. Well, I can't thank you. I'm honored to be here tonight. The only question I got, why am I behind Paul Rosen? But of course, uh, listen, what a great night. Thank you for inviting me. But I, I've got a special request. I know that, Paul, that? Paul had his medal. Yes. So I'm gonna, I want to pull something out of you. you I, can, okay, I cannot wait to see what this is. I'm going to Germany. I've been, I was in Germany last week yeah. for my first time ever, 35 years in the first city that I played in called Eschweiler. It was the 35th anniversary. We'd never got together. This team never had one of those reunions. You've been to them before. Oh, yes. And they called me a couple weeks before and it said, listen, Kerry, our president's not doing so well. Is there any way you could fly back? The, the, the rink is in a little town called Eschweiler on the border of Holland and Belgium. I was honored to go back. Uh, they tore down the rink two years ago, so there's wow. no more hockey, as they call it. It was a great trip. And then I get a call out of the blue saying, is there any way you can fly back December the 8th and be involved in a four-on-four pond hockey tournament called the 2023 Capital Christmas Classic? In the just Berlin over Capitals. a week. In just over a week, I'm going to be there. So I want to put the jersey on. Oh, yes. That I'm going to be wearing. Yes. Incredible stuff, man. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's really a good. sweet jersey. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, triple XL. No, this, it, it says medium, buddy. Yeah, I can't get shoulder pads. So if you don't mind me just saying thank you for allowing me to, a few minutes to talk about it. Absolutely. Uh, as you can see, the jersey is one of the jerseys that was put together. It's the Stop Concussion Team. 
uh, I'd love you to come over and be my, my bodyguard uh, and play with me, but unfortunately, it's going to be just a bunch of all-stars all around Germany that I played with. We're going to play against a team called the Girona, Geronimo Stars, and they're going to go up against the Stop Concussion All-Stars, all raising money for concussion awareness and, of course, uh, mental health. And on this jersey, it has the teams I played for, but on the back of the jersey, it was designed to honor some of the people that I've lost along my way to mental health, to spinal cord accidents, and, yes. of course, concussions. Keith Primo being one of the founders mm -hmm. of Stop Concussions. Big shout-out to Keith Absolutely, Primo, by the Keith way. Primo. Jerome McGinley involved still? Yes, yes, he is. Iggy, shoot for a cure. And then I lost my sister to mental health. Uh, yeah. Love her dearly. Paul knew her very well. And thank God Paul was there through the, the, the last moments of her life. He was incredible. But it all started with a guy named Robert Valfour. He I played with him uh, in junior, uh, and he broke his neck in a, a swimming pool accident. And he kind of taught me the lesson that it's not what you collect along the journey. It's what you give back. You know, we, we get scoring titles, we win championships, we got trophies, we get a little bit of money playing, but it's yeah. really important that we give back, and he was the reason. I was 17, he was 19 when it happened, and I realized life can change in a minute, as you know. Absolutely. So I decided to give my life and my opportunity with a little bit of a voice, like yourself, to help people that can't help themselves, and that's what this jersey's all about. It will support other people, uh, not only Robert Velfer, Eric Pelly who we lost to second impact syndrome on, on, on a concussion. And Barry Monroe, who runs the Canadian-American Spinal Research Organization, he's the inspiration that drives the motor for me to go out there. If you have a concussion, if you have a spinal cord injury, or you're dealing with mental health, you struggle every day to live, to breathe, to understand life. Whereas we as healthy people have the opportunity, we only fight about what golf course to go to, what... Uh, what restaurant to go Steve and eat knows. to. So I think it's really important that we give back. Yep. Gary, I got to give an applause for that. We, we clap for each other around here, brother. Thank you for sharing that, Gary. That is so, so powerful, so important, and I, I just absolutely love it. So now, this is the thing, Gary. You're a well-known guy. You're the gooch. The gooch, okay? But... I'm with the, the sheriff. There you go. But I do have a somewhat young, new audience. I need to allow these people to know the beginnings of Mr. Kerry Goulet. So now Winnipeg, Winnipeg is a really big spot. It's your birthplace, yeah. where you grew up. Yeah. I want to talk about Winnipeg a little bit, but more importantly, I want to talk about mom and dad because I heard that mom was kind of a good skater. <laughs> Well, my journey started with my mother, and I got to say, pay a compliment not only to you, but you're a very outspoken, very, uh, uh, I would say, charismatic human being, and I think it's owed as I am to your mother. Your mother is identical to my mother. Unfortunately, I lost her a few years ago. What a beautiful human being. She has a personality second to none. Unbelievable. So Thank you. And so you're talking about Sheila McMorrow. Yes, I am. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah. So my mother was a speed skater uh, back in, uh, obviously, in the late uh, 40s. And she, um, you know, speed skating is a different sport than hockey. Yep. And uh, living in Winnipeg, as you all know, if you don't, uh, in January, it's minus 40. And back in my day, uh, not only black and white TV, 
you didn't have indoor rinks. So my mother, at the age of two, grabbed me, and she would put, if you don't mind me saying, yes. she would put this scarf. The scarf. Around, yeah. yeah, around and the she waist. Would I read about this. With these long blades. And me as a young kid, I'd be hanging on. I would have snot coming out of my nose. I'd have frozen, yes. frozen eyes. And I fell in love with skating. And that was the start of my absolute passion, not only for skating, but the game ice hockey or hockey as we call it in North America. It was her that drove me every morning. We used to practice at six o'clock in the morning in Winnipeg, outdoors. And I can remember being a young kid and completely frozen, but crying with tears not because I was cold, but I wanted to go back out. And you, yes. I don't know if you remember, you, you're not old, old enough. Mom may, it may be around your, where they used to have these oil furnaces inside oh, yes. the huts. Oh, yeah. And you, we used yeah. to wear those Hudson Bay, you know, the gray socks? Yeah. And they would, the they would pull the feet out, and my mom would be rubbing them like this and throwing cold hot water on it. Uh, what a memory. I can't thank my mother up in heaven for allowing me. My father was a li little bit of a different dude. My dad wasn't a sports uh, enthusiast at all. He worked for the CN. He worked shift work. So my mom was uh, Mrs. Mom. She drove me to every practice. She sat up in stands, my biggest fan. And I'll tell you what, I miss her dearly. But... Uh, she gave me the love for the sport. Yes. And she allowed my skates to be my passport to the world. And, of course, in Winnipeg, I honed the skills to be able to become a fairly good player. Uh, Very yeah, modest. Yeah. Uh, okay. But it was the gift of gab that she gave me that allowed me to walk into a room and not be afraid to talk to people. I, I would say, hi, I'm Kerry Goulet. Who are you? Very similar to you. And I think that's important, especially today, living through COVID. It's so important to be able to talk to strangers out of the blue and just say, how are you? Yes. And my mother and father instilled in me what was important in life was to make sure that you were able to say, how are you, and listen to the answer. Absolutely. And not just say, how are you, and move on. And they also taught me uh, at a very young age that it was very important if you made a buck and you had 25 cents left over, give it to somebody that maybe wasn't as lucky as you. So I'm blessed to be able to do what I do. Absolutely, man. i got to give a quick applause for that. So now... While we're on the family, and only because I'm a big fan of this type of thing, yeah. I know that dad did something pretty cool for you around the age that we're speaking about, too. And it included hot chocolate, and it included warming. I know you said with the feet, but, yeah. but, but dad rubbing the toes, though, and, and supplying that hot chocolate. Yeah. You know, like, like the, he had a role in it, too. And, and like, I'm a big fan of that type of thing. Similar thing with my grandfather. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, my dad was known as LB around the world. Uh, one, of the, <laughs> one of the greatest human beings, obviously. He blessed me with being my father. Um, listen, through his life, he had his struggles. There's no question. He had a little bit of a drinking issue at 50. Uh, was not a very nice man, but by the time he ended up at 62 uh, having prostate cancer, he became uh, not only the love of my life, but one of those guys that was such a special human being. He would make everybody around him feel special. And he worked for the CNR, so he, he had the shift work. So my mom would take care of all the practices, but sometimes my dad would have to come home from work and make sure that I got to practice. And that early in the morning, that cold, honestly, I can tell you, there were days where minus 45 was a light day oh, in yeah. Winnipeg. And he would come home from work after shift, drive over to the rink and bring us hot chocolate and rub my feet when I was in absolute tears. But 
what was really cool about the story was we had run into my dad because he had a drinking problem ran into we ran into some financial trouble so we had to move to a townhouse which i was never familiar with and so i was my bedroom was on the third floor right and on. i was living close this was, must have been like nine or ten years old and I was living very close to a community club that was called the Wanaqua Community Club, where I was playing hockey. And um, it was nine outdoor rinks. So if you could nine. vision, yeah, nine. So if you could vision, my house was there, nine outdoor rinks, and there was my school. And I could tell you, at three o'clock in the morning, my buddies, his father was the, the uh, custodian of the. It's called the community center. He probably hated you guys. Oh, he hated us because he would steal the keys. <laughs> And we would sneak out the door at 3 o'clock in the morning, and down we went. He'd turn on the lights at the Wanaqua Community Club, and we'd be playing from 3 to 5 in the morning, just playing shinny. And then, of course, in the morning, we'd be dead tired, can't get out of bed, and then we were forced to go to school. And my first, I, my last name's Goulet. Yes. So I speak a little bit of French. Bonjour, comment allez-vous aujourd'hui? Ça va? Je, je t'aime. Oui. That, that's it. <laughs> and the reason is, ça. my first class every year or every week, was French. So I never made it to it, because as we were walking to school, what happened? A hockey game broke stop, out. Stop, stop. You got Another, it. So yeah. Let's continue. We didn't finish the last one. Any excuse possible, probably. And that's how we learned to, to how to play the game. I know Paul probably experienced this himself. You probably had a little bit of it. Mm -hmm. Honestly, from the month of, I would say roughly the end of November through to the end of February, maybe March, yep. in Winnipeg, the streets were frozen. So you could actually skate to school. And hockey, hockey, hockey was our life. And I, I appreciate you sharing that, Gooch. So now, one point that I really kind of wanted to try to get out. Now, you've been on my show before, so I'm trying to get all the facts that I never got out of you in the previous show. Now, I know that you're huge into ball hockey yeah. as well. So now, growing up as a kid, what was the balance between the hockey and the ball hockey? Because I know that the success for the ball hockey was like out of this world. So how were you able to choose? How was it the because it was a different seasons? Can you explain, my friend? Well, believe it or not, I was actually a quarterback for six-man football. I don't know if you okay. had it here in Toronto, hey, so I was a quarterback. More, I'm, yeah. I'm blown away every time yeah. I talk to you, Kerry. So I loved it. I was, I don't know, 14, 15 years old. And back in those days, you had to start picking a sport that you had to get involved. And I also loved baseball. So I was a, a second baseman. I just absolutely loved it. So as a kid, I got to play all the sports. But as I realized I wanted to be a hockey player in the offseason, I thought, what, what sport would help me hone the skills, stick handling, skating, getting in condition to play? Shooting. Shooting. Yeah. Passing. Yeah. It was ball hockey. Yeah. So at a very young age, I got involved with a, a team called the Grasshoppers. The Grasshoppers. And our, 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 the guy that founded the team was Art Wabanabe. And... Uh, it was the year of the Grasshoppers when he formed the team. So we were called the Winnipeg Grasshoppers. And we went to 11 Canadian championships. And I was blessed to play with a lot of great players. And we happened to win the Canadian championships. And from that, over the years, the legend was that, you know, we were pretty good. Playing against very good teams here in Toronto. We yeah. had a, a good, interesting talk. The Midas team, uh, I think there was uh, uh, the Midnight Express 
uh, we oh, got yeah. a chance to play against yeah. all these teams, and we ended up winning in, in Winnipeg. And from that, the legend grew not only from me but other players, and four of us were inducted in the Hockey Hall of Fame over the years, and I was blessed to be inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame. And it's a really funny story because if you never make it to the NHL and get inducted into the shrine over there um, – my wife had, uh, I just met Tony, we were dating my, my yes. wife now, oh, yes. and my mother was still alive, and she was one of those women, very similar to your mother, always well-dressed, always well-maintained. So I get the call, and uh, hey, is this Kerry Goulet? Yep. Uh, you have been inducted in the Canadian Ball Hockey Hall of Fame. Yes. And so I, my wife, I put my hand in. Is, is this a joke? Like, is somebody playing a joke on me? No, no. So I is go back on the phone, and I said... There's a ball hockey hall of fame. Yeah. Yes, there's a Canadian ball hockey hall of fame. And I said to the guy, seriously, like whose basement is it in, or whose garage? He said, no, no, it's a legitimate ball hockey hall of fame. You're gonna, we're gonna fly you out to Montreal. Wow. Uh, they're having the national championships, and we want you to be a big part of it, and you'll be shrined as a hall of famer. So I don't know. Like hall of fame sounds like a pretty big deal. So I tell my future wife Tony yep. and my mother, I have to bring my mother, Obviously, and yeah. I said. Guys, let's go out and get dressed. Get a nice dress. Yep. Uh, I bought a beautiful dress for my mom and a beautiful dress for my wife. And I dress up in the penguin. I right got on. black. Uh, you were actually dressed up oh, as the penguin. Oh, man, I was looking good. You know, wow. the black tie. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So we get to the hall. They pick us up in a limo. We drive to the hall. And I'm thinking it would be in a hotel. But yeah. it's not. It's in a rink. And so it's in one of those community centers. Okay. Okay, so yeah. I get out of the limo, looking pretty sharp. Mom and my ex or yeah. my wife are walking in. They say, okay, guys, we got to take Carrie to the, the green room. Yep. You guys just sit here, and we'll bring you out and put you in the tables. So I go to the green room, yeah. and there's a bunch of other guys that are dressed up in blue jeans, a T-shirt. Totally dressed down. Completely opposite. Okay. I'm thinking, okay, this can't be good. So they call everybody out. There was four guys getting inducted. Yeah. I was last to call out. And I come out, and I'm so proud. And I look, and honestly, there are picnic tables with those red, white, and black tablecloths with paper plates, plastic, plastic. <laughs> At least utility. they tried, though. Oh, my God. And everybody was in ball hockey gear. And that was my uh, Hockey Hall of Fame. Hey, man. I, I got Hey, thank you. That was, that's an Story. Boy, was my wife and uh, my mother upset because they're the only ones in dresses. Hey, look good, feel good, play good, right? That's, you, you always have to say that when anyone yeah. says you're overdressed. So, Carrie, okay, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna switch things around a little bit because there's some incredibly unique things that you have done in your life, especially when it comes to hockey players. Although now they're expanding their platforms, but buddy, you are like a pioneer for business and hockey together. I want to talk about 1986 and 1987. Now, I believe that you were, I don't know if it was majority, but you were minority owner of, of, of a nightclub bar while you were playing for Thunder Bay competing for the Allen Cup. Is this correct, Mr. Kerry Goulet? Well, listen, uh, you got the dates wrong, but you got it right. What year was it, 87? In, in 1982, um, uh, Staying Alive came out. Disco hit. Okay. And I was playing in Winnipeg. 
And I, we, I got involved with a DJ service. My buddy Don Moore had five guys that were going out and playing weddings and bar mitzvahs and all that. And he ran out of money. He needed some money to buy another five sets. And I had a little bit. And he said, hey, Gooch, would you lend me some money? So I lent him some money to buy these sets. And one night, one of the DJs was sick. So he said, hey, Carrie, I need you to come. Even though I was still playing hockey, it was a Saturday night. We weren't playing that night. I need you to be the DJ. And I said, DJ? And remember those days, it was cassettes. Oh, yeah, cassettes. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I went out there. He made a cassette that just kept running, and all I had to do is, and now the first dance for the bride and groom. And yeah, yeah. so, and I, I absolutely ate it up. I loved it. You're and probably awesome at it. No, I was bit terrible. And I loved it. And so as things went, in 1982, Staying Alive with, you remember the movie, broke out, and all the bars went from live bands to DJs. And that's how I got started in, in the, that business. And I got involved with the, the first dance club in Winnipeg called Fridays. It lasted three years, had a lot of fun, uh, made a few dollars, and I was still playing hockey. And I, got, I sold it. And as I was selling it, a guy from Thunder Bay said, hey, I want to open a bar in uh, Thunder Bay called Club Soda. I need you to be a part of it. And then I got to play with the Thunder Bay Twins and own the bar at the same time. And we won the Allen Cup in 1988 and on that night Burton Cummings and McLean and McLean Burton Cummings if you don't know it you guys are too young oh. is part of the guess who yes he yes. was playing at our bar and we won the Allen Cup and there I am with Burton Cummings on the bar drinking completely blotzed and in the morning apple juice oh uh, yeah absolutely my head's pounding the phone rings don't forget we didn't have a cell phone we're just regular phone and the phone's ringing I hello Hey, Kerry Goulet, I was at the game watching you play. Uh, I had had a pretty good series. Uh, wanna, you know, scored a few goals. And the guy said, I'm Luke Nielsen from Amsterdam. Luke Nielsen, yes. Yep. I've got a team for you. I want you to play in Fife, Scotland. Mm. Right? And so I said, and I, was, I had a girlfriend at the time. And not to bore you with all the details, but um, he said, this would be a great opportunity for you to get over to Europe. And the, the deal was not very much money. But I'm a golfer, so the idea was oh, I would get one week on the practice course and, w- and once a month on the main course in St. Andrews. Andrews. So I'm thinking, God, this is great. I race home. My girlfriend at the time was named Veronica. Veronica, I got an offer to go play hockey in, in Fife, Scotland. Scotland. I was 27 at the time. And she said, Carrie, honestly, it's time for us to settle down, yeah. have babies, yeah. and start a family. And I turned it down. And I thought... Oh, God. You turned down the opportunity I turned the opportunity, yeah. Yeah. So three weeks later, Luke calls me and says, listen, I found the perfect place for you. It's a little town called Eschweiler. It's on the border of Holland and Belgium. And I said, listen, I only got to grade 12 by passing grade 6 twice, so I need to go to the library to find out where it was. I went to a library, opened up an atlas, looked in it, couldn't find the place. I'm going. I raced back to Veronica and said, listen, it's, I have to take this opportunity. Absolutely. I got to play pro hockey in Europe, in Germany. It's a great opportunity for you and I. Let's just go for a year. And she gave me the ultimatum that, listen, it's time. You're 27. You own a bar. It's time for us to have a family. You've got a decision to make. You either go, you go and play hockey over there. I'm out. I don't want to go. She was a, a twin and only had a mother. And she just didn't want to leave. And so she said, you've got to make it a choice. And I said to her, literally, listen, this is my opportunity to do what I love. 
you can't hold me back, so please pack my bags, put in the trunk, I'm going to the airport. And I did, and left, it was that cold, I left, she came over at Christmas time, she absolutely hated, and I got very blessed, she went home, and, and unfortunately, I loved her dear, I loved her dearly, hey. but... I got 16 years of playing a sport. You know it. Yes, absolutely. So now, you know it. 16 seasons, many records, big, big numbers in Germany, my friend. And now, now I, I, I know the story behind Mr. Ice Hockey. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's leave it at that because you were Mr. Ice Hockey there for 16 years. You know, for you, you did a lot off the ice. I know it, it was intended for the way that you acted off the ice, the way that you made it, the way that you grew the game, like Wayne Gretzky did in the Southern States, right? Yeah. That, that was it. But now listen, I, the, what I want to get into is the points, Kerry. Now, 1,997 points, right? Yeah. At, at, at a certain point. Yeah. Can you explain to my viewers and listeners the incredible <laughs> opportunity that you got to get 2,000? Well, a good friend of mine who was my, while I was playing hockey in Germany, uh, I was very blessed to play with a guy named Mark McKay, one of the best players who didn't make the NHL, but he was, he made everybody, you know those players, yes. that oh, just yeah. make everybody around. Everyone I was better. playing with a guy named Mark, Mark, uh, Mark McKay, and Marvin Glazer, who was a German-Canadian at the time. And our line just, I got, we crushed it. Like, Mark was so good. And my numbers were elated. I was a player coach at the time. And things were just unbelievable. I couldn't have asked for better. And as the years went by, I just got to be with a lot of good players. I was getting older. And I knew as a player coach, they couldn't fire me if I had good players around me. So I just made sure I had the best Canadians. And things just went on and on. And... Once my career was ended at, at in 19, uh, it was 2001, uh, I had a three-year deal left on my contract. I was 41. I was playing as a non-import. I was playing as an EU player. So I was really excited about playing another three years. And unfortunately, 2001, my father got stricken with prostate cancer yes. in April, battled through it. I lost him um, September the 7th, 2001. Uh, love you. And my mom, I decided to buy tickets for my mom to fly over and grieve with me. And I would start playing September 15th. And we all know September 11th, 2001, shut everything down. Yeah. I was instantly retired. So long story short, years went by, didn't go back. Uh, and I had a chance to, to meet Wayne Gretzky in 2004 at the uh, ice hockey event, the World Hockey Classic. Yes. And I just, I, I love the game so much. I wanted to go back, and it never happened. So I got a call. I don't remember the date specifically. I apologize. But I got a call from our, our trainer, who was a young kid. He was 16 at the time. And if you know trainers, they take care of you. They, oh, yeah. they tape your sticks. Yep. They sharpen your skates. And because he was a German, I was a Canadian. He always looked up to me. And he now became 27. And he was playing. He was playing for the Eins Beat, the second-tier team. Yep. So playing, I was playing a third division when I left. But it was a fifth-division team. And he said, hey, listen. You've got 1,997 points. I've always wanted to play with you. We have a game in three weeks. I want you to come. My jersey, I had my jersey retired. It was up in the air. Yes, we're number pull 29. It. Yeah, thank you. And there it is. And yeah. we're going to pull the jersey down, and we want you to play one game so you can achieve 2,000 points. 
And I said, well, you know, I'm a little bit overweight at the time. He said, no worries. Go out and get it. So I work out, and I'm skating every day, and I fly over there, and I walk, and the rink, you know, was held 2,000 people, and they fell in on hard times. There were only five to 600 fans. You know yeah. how it goes. Yep. And on that particular night, they had a TV camera follow me around, and we walk into the rink, and it's completely full. There's 2,000 people. My mom was there. I'd lost my father, of course. Yeah. My mom was there. And That's it, really cool. Yeah, it was an unbelievable night. And uh, would you not believe, in the first period, I got an assist right off the bat. And uh, in the second period, uh, I got my second point. And then in the third period, I scored uh, a goal to make it uh, th three points, to make 2,000. And what's crazy about the story is the young man that invited me, yeah. I assisted on both his goals and he assisted on mine. So it was, See, it was obviously meant fairy to be, tale. but, but now, now I, okay, so I got to give a, yeah. a clap for that, Kerry. So now the thing is, the first point, you know that you're good if a team's calling you back for one game, but you still need three points. I mean... They're assuming that you're going to get three points in one game. That means you're good. So I got to point that out there. So now, Kerry, obviously you are a very interesting man. I need to I need to hit a couple things here, yep. man, because there's been so I many know. huge things that have happened. Yep. I want to get into the stop concussions first because that's the most important thing yep. on this platform. Stop concussions. Can you talk a little bit about stop concussions? And then we're going to end with the Melbourne Ice. All right. So I suffered a couple in my career, as yes. you would. I was, uh, I was a lover, not a fighter like yourself, a big, tough, bruising guy. I think it was 0 for 66 in all the fights that oh, I had. Oh, come on. Give yourself some True. credit, Kerry. Actually, you're probably 0 and 67. <laughs> I wasn't very tough. I, I, I loved the game. I played uh, passionately. I didn't know what tough was until I went over to Europe. And because you only had two or three imports, they run the garbage out of you. So uh, I had a couple of concussions over there. And I can remember one game where I got knocked out. I was laying on the ice. Guy named Harold Bulky got me up and gave me some smelling salts. Went to the bench. Of course, he said, "Where are you?" Guys are skating back with, around me with hockey sticks. I'm at a hockey game. Oh, you're good to go. Yeah. So I don't even miss a shift. That was out a I, concussion test. Back absolutely, in the day. great test. Yeah. <laughs> out I went, and it lasted for a few months. Yeah. I was okay playing, and then all of a sudden I come home, and all hell broke loose. I was, put, I was institutionalized. They thought I was going through a nervous breakdown, uh, but they never realized that I had suffered a concussion, and it was coming back to rear its ugly head, and it was nasty. Like, it was really bad. And I went through it, and I lived through... They put me on a drug called depresamine, which is, yep. deals with um, antidepressants, schizophrenia, and they wanted to get me back. And um, through that summer, I was actually numbed. I didn't even... I didn't know my name. I, didn't, I just got through day every day. And my dad actually had to fly over. I went back and played. And my dad actually flew over with me. And I can honestly say, when I was on the ice, only the general manager, I was player coach, mm -hmm. and my co-coach, and the doctor knew that I was suffering, along with my dad. And I would play, and you wouldn't notice it, until I got home. My dad literally had to wipe my bum. It was that bad. Yeah. I got through it. The drug was doing more damage to me than the actual concussion, threw it away, met a wonderful girl named Alexa Capacci. She got me through it. I had great people around me. And if I not, didn't have her, Willie Rocker, who we no longer have, and my dad, who knows where I would have ended up. I got another 11 years in my career, so I'm blessed. I started to stop concussion with Keith Primo, yep. who 
his career was ended by concussions. By concussions yeah. Mine wasn't. I got another 11 years, and I just fell in love with Keith and six your size, yeah. a bruising type of power forward. Yeah, I'm a and huge I, fan. I helped him through his concussion, uh, through his life, and we became best buddies. I was his older brother, and we ended up starting Stop Concussions in 2010 when Crosby then had his major concussion. Mm-hmm. We wrote a book called Concussed, Understanding the Invisible Injury. Who would have thunk it? Uh, a guy that, that from Winnipeg who uh, passed grade 12 by getting through grade 6 twice. I wrote oh. a book. It came with crayons. But Keith and I wrote this, letting people to understand that we were damaging our brains at alarming rates. You know yourself. You've lived it. Yep. I just didn't want other people to live what I had lived through, that dark tunnel with no light. And that's how Stop, Stop Concussions got started. Kerry, how can people support and find out more about Stop Concussions? Well, obviously, you can look at the jersey. It's uh, stopconcussions.com. Uh, we have Stop Concussions Germany EFAO. That's where I'm going next week to Berlin to play in an outdoor game. I don't know if I know I don't have much time, but last year, uh, uh, we all lived the dream of going back into our past. I was blessed of all these travels. I was blessed to play in an outdoor game last year in Hanover. I, I watched it online. 37,000 people watched. I walked out and looked up, and the snow was falling. It was the most pristine moment. It brought everything into reality. I never thought I would experience anything like it. I get a call. I'm going to play in an outdoor game just outside of the Brandenburg Gate, which is in Berlin uh, next week. Um, And uh, I'll tell you what, just please help. Give whatever you can. we got a GoFundMe starting on Saturday. We've got a bunch of these jerseys. Connor McDavid, one of his buddies, had donated a jersey. I, I've got a jersey from a band, very similar to Guess Who here in Canada, called Fury in the Slaughterhouse. They've signed the jersey for all the Germans over there. It's just been an amazing ride, and I'm blessed that I can do what I do, and thank you for giving me a bit of a platform. Yes, no problem. So, so the, the event that's in Germany in eight days? Uh, December the 8th. December the 8th. One, two, Today's three. Today's the 30th. You got it. We're pretty close, buddy. You got We're pretty it. close. All right, so that's really close, buddy. It you got you to gotta be nervous for that. You got to be anxious. I'd be looking forward to it for sure. So now, before we end, buddy, yep. I got to bring up the Melbourne ice because I- I'll tell you one thing, Kerry. When I heard the news that Gooch Live, Mr. Kerry Goulet, has been hired as the head coach of the Melbourne ice, right away, I had a former teammate that played in the league. I knew exactly what it was. I knew the magnitude. I knew the opportunity. I know that's a special game that you have out in Australia. And I was like, you know what? This is a beautiful thing. I am so happy for Kerry. Do you think you could quickly just talk about the hiring and how your season went, man? Well, listen, we've got guys here, uh, uh, Justin Sawyer, who came over yeah, and played. Yeah, Justin. There he is. Justin Sawyer, supporting the podcast. 2014, he played in the Ice Hockey Classic in Australia. Paul Rosen, of course. Yep. Uh, Paul Big came. shout out yep. to Paul Rosen. Paul came. I love this passion. Uh, Paul Rosen came over and coached. And, and of course, Val uh, Silva's here, who's helped design all the graphics. He actually built this studio right here. One more time. One more. Shout out. That's it. 
We love it. We clap for each other. And so here. through the ice hockey classic, I got to know a bunch of people. And really quickly, uh, they had called me while I was in Germany. I got the phone was ringing off the hook, and I picked the phone up. The owner of the Melbourne Ice, who I got to know over the times being there, said, "Listen, we're looking for a change of of direction with our coaches. We've been using a lot of Europeans. We want to go back to the North American system. Is there anybody you can maybe with your uh, your network?" So I gave him three or four names. One was Malcolm Sutherland, who was the creator of our stop concussion uh, plat uh, prevention platform called Safe for Sports. He was really close to signing. And unfortunately, his wife just decided, got cold feet. He didn't go. And while I was in Germany, I picked up the phone, and Peter, Peter Hawthorne, who's the uh, owner of the team, said, hey, we haven't found anybody. What about you? And I said, what about me? What? What about you taking on the coach coaching job? And I said, okay, I, I'm your last pick. Uh, <laughs> couldn't I have been your first? He said, listen, we never thought about you would even consider it, but that you have the Ice Hockey Classic down in, in, in Australia. Yes. We have the opportunity to give you an office, a little bit of money, and it is Australia. And one thing I, before, one thing that's really crazy, I called an import. I wanted to get a guy, and I was so excited. It was a really good import, and his first question wasn't how much money or what's the rink like or how's the team. The first question was, is it true that everything wants to eat you, poison you, kill you? Spiders, snakes, sharks, and jellyfish? Yeah, yeah, yeah And yeah, I yeah. said, realistically, you got more Kangaroos. chances. Kangaroos? Well, they don't kill you, but... No, but they, they want to box. Yeah, they want to box. You'd be good at that. Um, basically, I said to him, listen, the chances of that, any of that happening is that slim. You're going to die by walking across the street yeah. looking the wrong way because obviously it's like England. you got to be looking the straight. Did it work? But was he, was he relaxed he after didn't, that? He didn't come. Oh. Uh, but I got lucky. It, it was a tough season. I had to learn the, the nuances of, of the new era with coaching like this. I never coached with, with iPhones before. Every young kid today, uh, no criticism to him. It's a different lifestyle. Yes. So as a coach... I needed to learn how to coach properly. The start wasn't as good as we wanted it to. We started two and six, but then all of a sudden, something changed midway. We got very lucky. We missed the playoffs by one point. Uh, the team had only won three games the year before. We at least got to 10, and we missed it by one point, and, and now uh, I have the opportunity to go back and build the team. I, was, I inherited the team, Yes. right? I didn't, yeah. I didn't pick now the players. Now it's your team. Now it's my team. So now my neck's on the chopping block. Absolutely, buddy. I, I appreciate you sharing that. Like I said, I was so excited about it. Now, now, Kerry, I know that, like I said, you're a man of many hats. You have an incredible, incredible hockey podcast, Gooch Live. You've also expanded, and our friend Paul Rosen has become a part of, of the action with you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call Paul Rosen if he's around here. Get back here, buddy. I got to acknowledge your guys' show that you have together. Mr. Paul Rosen joining us live. I know I put him on the spot. I appreciate this very much. Yes, yes. yes. So now, gentlemen, you guys, you guys, I, I love watching you guys together because it's double the entertainment. Can you just give a little bit of information of the shows that you do have put on together right now? Well, first we started years ago, Gooch. It seems like 20 years ago. It wasn't that long ago. Just before COVID. Yeah, just before COVID, we started at the Hockey News down the street on Adelaide. Val was our producer. Val's out there somewhere. 
and uh, we started, it was called Gooch Live featuring Paul Rosen, then it went to Gooch Live, then it went to the Rosen Report, then it went to Gooch and Rosie, now it's called, what is it, what is it called? Gooch and Rosie. Gooch and Rosie show, we brought it back again. We One of the funnest, uh, most incredible memories is one time Gooch is in Australia, I'm in the offices at Hockey News with the great uh, Mike Keenan, Stanley Cup coach champion. Wow. It's Keenan and myself get at the desk. We're ready to go. We're bringing in Gooch via satellite. We can't get Gooch. He's supposedly somewhere in Australia. Then he pops up. He's in front of a Subway restaurant. In Adelaide. In Adelaide, Australia, on the street, doing the as our sideline reporter, we've done some crazy things over the years, but we love doing it yeah. because we both have personalities that so we love getting the story out, but we also love not just getting the story out, we love the, the camaraderie we have, especially when we disagree with each other because it's called, what we do is entertainment. Whether it's, whether it's 30 minutes or 45 minutes or 20 minutes, it gets somebody out there to turn their computer on and, and forget about their day-to-day -day problems because they hear the sheriff or Gooch or Rosie saying something. The only thing that we love to do on our show, and you do it too, I love it, and a lot of people don't do it, which drives me crazy, is saying things just to say them. I cannot stand when rumors get out there and destroy people. Think before you speak. There's a lot of things going on in the hockey world right now where people are talking and yep. they're talking garbage and it's hurting people. Don't say something unless you know it's 100% truth. I love that about our show. I love that about your show. I got to give, give an applause for that. So now, I, I just want to point out how lucky I am to have both of you on my platform right now beside me. Thank you, guys. I appreciate that. Before Thank we you. go, we're just going to recognize how we were able to put this on the air. Zenpai Dispensary, guys, just two weeks away from the opening, just in time for Christmas, specializing in flower edibles and tincture, joint pain, specializing. Get Check out Zenpai Dispensary, guys. And I want to thank all my listeners and viewers for tuning in to another episode of The Sheriff featuring Mr. Gooch Live, Kerry Goulet. We're beside here with Mr. Rosen. We got strength in numbers. We'll see you next time, guys. Woo! Thanks for tuning in, baby.